0: Well, good morning. How is everyone? Right, Smiles. Good. Don't get tense. It's all right. The senator's in the house. Y'all just relax. It's going to be good. God is good, right? All the time, isn't he? I love the song we started with this morning because it really is the heart of any message I ever bring to a group of folks that are bold enough, as Pastor Adam was, to invite a politician to church, Right? But come awake. Come awake. Right? God, God raised us from the dead. When you know, we were once dead in our sins, but in Christ, we have new life. And God raised us from the dead that we might live. You know, the scripture talks about for freedom's sake, we have been set free. And that's important stuff. So this morning, I just want to encourage, I'm looking at the I may be the, almost the oldest person in the room, which is not always common, but we have a young group, so I'm going to try and avoid references that the young folks don't know what I'm talking about. But then again, this all predates us, doesn't it? So there's, there's some stuff there. But I think what God often tells, tells us, and he, do, he does it in, in neat ways, is he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember his deliverance, does he not? And that's a very important thing when they, when they came to the Jordan, they were going to cross over the river and the Ark of the covenant. You remember the story? So you had the priest, what did they have the priest do go out into the river, right? And what did the river do? It stopped. The river stopped and this was just like they, as they came across the red sea, this was going to provide, God was providing a way to get to where he promised them, right? And so, if you notice in the scripture, it talks about how the river, at this time of year, was overflowing its banks. This was flood season. It wasn't the little trickle of water out there. This was the river at high water mark, just to prove God's great sovereignty and his power. Yes? So, they send the priest out into the river, right? And so, what does the river do? It doesn't wash away the priest. It does exactly what God said it would do. And the river stops. And they stand out there, and so all of Israel crosses over the Jordan to go, move toward the Promised Land. Now let us not forget that they were wandering for 40 years in the desert because they did not what? They didn't believe. They didn't trust God. And so, But, but finally, when they got past that, and that generation that, that did not believe had gone on, the younger generation, the younger folks were able to cross over. And one of the things he instructed, he said, go gather some stones from the riverbed, right? Have you ever noticed the way we mark our property lines in the old days? Anybody live on an old farm? There's stones that mark the corners of the property line. We have one on our piece of property. It's a, it's a marking stone. It's a remembrance of the boundaries. And so he sent them back into the river to grab up these stones, one for each tribe of Israel. And they made an altar to God right? And what was that for? To remember, to remember God's deliverance. And so we are always encouraged to remember what God has done so that we might be encouraged to look forward to what he is going to do and to trust him in that. Amen. I mean, who, it, that's the whole key to the success of our life as believers is to trust God, Right. That's the whole hinge point for how our lives go with God. Do we trust Him or do we not? These are those things you look inside. So as a nation, do we trust God anymore or do we not? Have we lost our moorings? Somewhere along the way, I would suggest to you that as a nation, we have lost our moorings. Individually, many of us still cling to the promises of God and trust Him for our deliverance, our salvation, for our very sustenance in our life. But as a nation we have decided to put God in another category haven't we And it's happened in our lifetimes for us older folks I was raised in an area an era not an area I was raised in an era when there was something called the iron curtain who's ever heard of the iron curtain All right anybody know for me as a young child this was when the Soviet Union was in power during the cold war And so you had the Soviet Union, the communists, the godless people of the world. You know, part of the tenets of communism is there is no God but the state, right? There is no God but the state. So on the other side of this iron curtain was the Soviet Union, the godless world. And on this side of the iron curtain was was America, the home of the free, right? And so it was a God-fearing country. It was a God-honoring country. And on the other side was the godless state. And so in my mind as a young child, when I was the, these guys' age right here, I honestly thought there was this giant iron curtain somewhere in Europe that was, in my mind, it was like 10 stories high, it was really tall, and it was steel and gray, and everything on the other side of it lacked color. This was what, how I saw it, and I don't know if anybody else saw it that way, but in my mind, I thought it exists. And I was like, how are we going to take that down? How are we going to get rid of this giant iron curtain? And I never could reconcile the fact, because I, I used to hide behind the curtains of my house as a child, and, you know, there were those ropes you could pull, and the curtains would move, and they'd go back. I said, how do you move an iron curtain? What do the ropes look like? The, the imagination of a child, right? So anyway, I, I imagined this, but that came down when the Berlin Wall fell. And we, I think most of us were, remember those days. When Reagan said, tear down, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That was a physical reminder of the separation of two very distinct ideas. A godless world and a God-honoring world. So when that wall came down in Berlin, what should have overtaken the whole world? The light, right? The God-honoring world should have taken over. But the darkness did not yield, did it? What did the people embrace in those years since then? Have we moved more toward a time of enlightenment in the things of God? And are we as a body of Christ reflecting our glory in the world? Or is the world, the darkness of the world, creeping our way? And have we let it creep in? Who's defining our culture today? Are we doing it? Or are we letting a very vocal minority define what our culture looks like, whether we honor God or not? In our lifetimes, the Supreme Court said, we cannot talk about the Bible in public school. And what did the church say? The church said, okay. Because they, they didn't say anything. And so now in our public school systems, God is not honored. He is not talked about. The, the, this was, at one time, for 150 years in, in American schooling, this was the textbook. You, you know this is what they taught kids from, was the Bible, right? Now you almost get in trouble for carrying one in there. I think they see it as contraband almost, right? But who allowed that to happen? Did we as the body of Christ? Or was it the world's fault for pushing that on us? Well, those people who made those decisions were all chosen through the elective process, we pick our, our, our representatives, we pick our presidents, they pick our Supreme Court justices, those justices come through a, a framework of we elect them initially, and then they advance through the court system, and all of a sudden, these folks are telling us what our nation looks like, and the question is, do we honor God with our nation, or not? Well, I'd encourage you, just like the song said this morning, it's time for us to come awake come alive as the body of Christ. Because I believe light always overtakes darkness. Does it not? Does it not? Light always overpowers the darkness, but we have to shine in the world around us and we've got to let our, our values be known. Are we going to let the world define for us what marriage is? I mean, God's pretty clear what marriage is, but there's a great force in, the, in, the, in our nation today to redefine what marriage is. Will that honor God in the long run or not, if we allow that to happen? Back in the early 70s when we decided that abortion was legal, did that honor God? God said he knew us. He knew us before we were even formed, right? And as we were knit together in the womb, he knew us. I'm telling you, life is precious. We discarded life, we discarded the word, and we stood by quietly. We didn't clamor to the ballot box. You know, the Christians uh, sit at home when it's voting time. Did you know that? How many How many of you have voted in every election you've been eligible to vote for? Every single one, right? There's just a handful. Very few people can raise their hands. For those of you who did, that's... that. No, it's not, yeah, I'm not bringing condemnation, but that is our opportunity to express our biblical values within the framework of government. Would you say that government is of God or is it of, of, of man? It's of God, folks. God ordained the authorities. God, in his sovereign choice, said, you as a people be fruitful and multiply and what? Subdue the earth, right? You remember that in Genesis? He says, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. Subdue the earth means to govern, to rule over, to exercise authority within the earth in a framework that God sets out. Now, our founders were very wise. They recognized the fallen nature of man, so they set up a a part of government where they call it the balance of powers, or the the separation of powers. Are you all familiar with that? You know, we got the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. That framework is, is God designed because he, recognizing our weaknesses as, as fallible human beings, we needed to separate the power. Because if we gave it all to one, what would we look like? That's called tyranny, is it not? I mean, if you had a really good leader, that might be okay for a season, but wait for the bad ones to come along. They seem to be the ones that tend to accumulate the power over time. But in in our founders' wisdom, they saw it was necessary to separate that and then give to the people the power to populate those areas. So that's our job as voters, right? So on Tuesday, we get a chance to vote, and we get to pick how we're going to fill these positions and ultimately the direction our nation goes in. Who would like to see our nation return to God and, and to honor God and to exalt God as a nation? Who thinks that those two are incompatible? Who has believed the lie that has been foisted on us? And most of you younger people, your whole life you've been told there's a separation of church and state, that politicians can't speak in church, right? That kind of concept. Who's heard the separation of church and state, right? Who believes that's a constitutional foundational item? It's not. What does the Constitution say about that? It says the Congress shall make no law regarding the establishment of a religion it doesn't mean it just means that the government will not become god the government will not become our religion but it didn't say that the that the government could not be influenced by christian and biblical principles did it on the contrary we should be the strongest influence in our world today we honestly should. And the one great opportunity we have to do that, the easiest thing we have is to vote and I would encourage all Christians to vote in line with what the word says. And there's all kinds of examples in the word of what, what God says about things. Does God like the concept of majority rule? I don't think so. What happened when they said to go take the promised land? What did, what did the, what did the men decide to do? Right? They formed a committee. All right, God says, go take the promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. You guys go get it, right? So what do guys do, or this group of guys? I won't say us in general. They formed a committee, said, all right, let's go send 10 spies and go see what happens, and then we'll take a vote. So they did. And so they went over, and what did the majority say? Eight of them came back. Wow, that's tough over there. There's giants, and it's rough. Only two came back. So if uh, we, we, we live that legacy. That, the people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they took a majority vote on what God said, right? Adam and Eve took a majority vote on what God said. God said, don't eat of that tree. If you do, you'll die, right? They decided to vote on it. They decided to make a different choice and overrule God. I'm telling you, God is not about majority, vote, majority rule. I've told it before. Most of you have probably heard it. But majority rule is two wolves and a chicken deciding what's for dinner. Right? That's not what we're about. We have a representative republic. When people throw the word democracy out there, you got to be careful. Democracy is mob rule. So do we let the culture as a mob, when I say, I don't mean that in in any derogatory term, but as the, does the culture get to use its passions and its current state of being to decide what our nation looks like? Or are we supposed to be based on more, more long lasting and and time tested and, and eternal principles of God? That's where I think we ought to be. And that's why your vote's so critical. If you've listened to some of the appeals in the, in the last few days, some of the appeals have been very nonpartisan. I've heard many advertisements that don't speak of Republican or Democrat or Libertarian. They just talk to the church. Has any, have you heard any of them? Governor Rick Perry from Texas did one that's being broadcast on some of the radio waves. He doesn't talk about, about party. He talks about Christians of faith connecting their vote to the principles they find in the word. And he just leaves it up to them to make that decision. I think that's very smart. And I hope it's motivational for, for us as a body to reclaim our nation's heritage by doing it in the ballot box. Because if the ballot box, if we fail the ballot box, there's only, the road only leads to tyranny. You know that, don't you? If we surrender at the ballot box, the, the powers of darkness will overtake this nation. And I just, I'm not, I for one, owe it to these young people. We owe it. My oath of office, it's what's interesting about the oath of office I take. Have you ever listened to the oaths that presidents take or senators? It's to uphold and defend what? The Constitution. And what does the Constitution of Georgia and the Constitution of the United States essentially say? That we are there to secure the blessings of liberty for the future that we make decisions today that are good for the future. And I would, I would suggest to you that we have spent the last 40 years making decisions today that are not good for the future. We're reaping all that, maybe the, more than the last 40 years, last 100 years. We've moved in a direction of making decisions for the day that feel comfortable for Today. We would print money that our young kids have not even earned yet. We would borrow from future generations to make sure everybody feels somewhat convenient today. That's dishonorable. That's dangerous. and that is not at all in line with what the Word of God says, is it? You know in the parable of the talents, God gives out the, the talents, I mean not God, but the, I mean that's the, what, it, what he implies in the in the parable. But the master gives out the talents to his, his workers, and he goes away. And he comes back, and he says, well, what did you do? Well, one of them hit him because he was just afraid of his master. The other one put it to work and gained some, and then the other one was very productive, very industrious, and he tenfold was his increase, right? So in a welfare state, what would we do? We would take from the guy who got the ten and get spread it out well, we'd keep a lot of it for ourselves, but then we'd spread it out what's left for the, for the others. And over time, where would that lead? Where would that lead? That's not how God did it. What did God do? He says he took from the one who hid his and gave it to the one who acted like God does. What does God do in everything? Does God increase or decrease? Does everything in creation, outside that, as we watch the leaves and the trees and everything that lives gives glory and honor to God doesn't it because it all grows it all multiplies right God gave it to the one that multiplied that increased that reflected his glory right that's what God does he's he's not about taking from the the rich and 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 rewarding slothfulness what does he say about the sluggard you won't eat that's hard. That doesn't sell. I get up on, on, in, the, in a political arena and try that one. It doesn't go over real good, you know. I tell folks, that, well, you won't eat. How well is that received? I had a young man at, a, at an event one time who was complaining to me. His mother was in another state, and he was complaining about how that other state was not taking care of his mother. I said, son, maybe he was probably late 20s, 20, something like that. I said, that's your job. You go take care of your mother and quit asking someone else to do it. That went over real big, right? Right? As a nation, do we want to sell our birthright? Esau did. Esau was the firstborn, wasn't he? And what did he sell his birthright for? A morsel. One meal. He sold his birthright. Have we not done the same? For the convenience of today, many in our nation will sell our birthright, will sell our liberty, will sell our freedom to feel a little more secure till lunchtime. Can't we look a little further down the road, friends? Can't we be a little more intentional about the nation we're going to leave our children and our grandchildren? Can't we be a little more disciplined in what we expect out of ourselves instead of what we expect out of our government? I think we can. I think it's totally embraced in the entire ideal of the body of Christ. We can be everything God's called us to be and and designed us to be. And when we do that, guess who gets the glory? God does. It all glorifies him, does it not? So I'd encourage you, get out and vote. Vote in line with what, what the word speaks and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I'm not going to tell you RD or or me or the other or whatever. God God knows. God knows those that will honor him and those that won't. And God wants a nation that exalts him. We have spread the gospel around the world unlike any other nation in the history of of Christianity. America does it. America does it. When you look at the way America spends its money and how it supports mission work around the world, no country matches what we do here in America. Even under the thumb of an oppressive government that we have, oftentimes we are all over the world doing God's work, spreading the gospel, and ministering life to people, whether it be wells or whatever it is, right? I'm sure y'all are a big mission-minded church, right, Pastor? I mean, we know that's our call. But we got to be strong here to be good to the rest of the world. We can't let our light be extinguished here and expect ourselves to shine around the world, can we? Let's shine. God didn't light us. He didn't put a light within us for us to cover ourselves and hide in the corner. On Tuesday, let your light shine. Amen. I'm going to uh, just say thank you for letting me come up and share with you this morning. Pastor, honestly, thank you. Uh, It's a great honor to, to come within the body of Christ and encourage folks. I'm going to let us be encouraged a little more. My daughter's going to come up and share a, a word. of Is this the right time for this, Pastor? And, um, and just thank you all. Hopefully that will minister life to you this morning. There's no condemnation, right? There's no heaviness in the room. Are we light, right? My wife says, Mike, make sure you tell them. <laughs> Don't let them get down now. Make them smile. So there, we'll hold that thought. God bless you. Thank you very much.
1: Well, good
2: morning, everybody. It is, like my dad said, it is an honor to be here with you all. We uh, go to Forward Church a little ways down the road, and I'm uh, one of the worship leaders there, but just one of my passions is just to stay connected with the different um, churches, and I just believe that God, as the body, has called us all to be united um, and cause we are one. So it's, it's a blessing to be here to worship with you guys. Um, I'm just going to share a song called sing along. Um, and this song, one of my favorite things about it is it says, let us join in your song and sing along. Um, just really the concept of joining together with God and his heart for the world um, to go into all the nations and make disciples, but also just right where we're at, whether it's in the political arena, whether um, it's the human trafficking arena, that's something I'm very passionate about and fighting in that area, Um, whether it's in your families, in your schools, college campuses, that we are joining in his song um, to bring the message of hope to the world. So this is what I'm going to share with you. Thank you.
1: From babies hidden in the shadows To the city shining bright There are captives weeping far from sight For every doorway there's a story Some are holding back the cries But there is one who hears us in the night And great God, wrap your arms Around this world tonight Around the world tonight When you hear our cries, sing through the night. And we will join in your song and sing along. Yeah, we'll sing along. For the farthest corners of the earth, still his mercy reaches Even to the pain we cannot see. And even in the darkness, there's a promise that will keep us. There is one who came to set us free. And great God. Wrap your arms around this world tonight, around the world tonight. When you hear our cries sing through the night, we will join in your song and sing along, yeah, sing along.